Of the living Geek. All right, guys, you ready? Yeah. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Giant Sword Podcast. Woo! And with me today, of course, are my noble and hairy are Taylor. Hello, hello. Connor. How do we ho do we, neighborino? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, sorry we missed last week's episode. We had uh, life problems. Nah. We're on <laughs> vacation. It was nice. Wait, well, who are you? People don't know who you are. Oh, yeah, and I'm Nick Rooney. Nick, Nick, Lin- Nick Lin, Lin, to be sure. Do do I ever, in the last two podcasts, have I ever introduced myself? I don't know. Your anim- anonymity is probably good to preserve. You know, yeah. just a, <laughs> exactly. You know, assassins and the government, you know, be coming after you and whatnot. They Keep a low are. profile. All right, let's get let's get to the meat of things. I mean, we're a JRPG podcast, so we'll stop BSing about uh the JRPGs are so good with, <laughs> you know, slow opening. They take a long time to get going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's only We're it's trying a, to keep a theme here. It's a giant metaphor for how JRPGs are really played. <laughs> and suddenly it speeds up and, you know, you have a good blast. Awesome. So, that being said, no. let's get <laughs> Um, yeah, hey, what have you guys been doing? Have you been playing any uh, interesting pod, uh, inst- interesting games that are not topics this week? Uh, well, I have. I mean, I dug up a moldy oldie that's a classic in my book. It's called Legend of Legea. It was like a 1998 RPG from super random uh, company Procyon, which I've never heard of anywhere else. But uh been playing that one. It's one I've beaten a couple times in the past, and you guys have seen it. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty great with the really innovative battle system but other than that i just bought a copy of saga frontier which is that squaresoft rpg from like also 1998 which is like the golden age of squaresoft rpgs so they were just I pumping like, them out right i mean that was like tactics xenogears final fantasy 7 all that stuff and so i feel like it's crazy that there's an a squaresoft rpg from that time that i haven't played so i saw saga frontier sitting on the shelf i picked it up nice i have that too but i just sitting on my desk Never got around to it, huh? Never got, oh, I have a lot of JRPGs I haven't gone around with. It's well, I guess it would be insane if every single game they put out in that two-year span was just pure gold. I guess they had to have one clunker, right? But <laughs> I will f- I will find out for myself. Maybe I will like it a lot. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, How about you, Taylor? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I've been playing this game on 3DS called Rhythm Heaven Megamix. It's like a collection of That's mini games. It's not a JRPG, man. <laughs> you just said things. What have you been playing as a JRPG? As a JRPG, you said something. Uh, it's not a topic. You weren't specific. Uh, nothing. I mean, just more Star Ocean, pretty much, which I've covered quite a bit. Um, did I play anything? I was messing around with Legendary Dragoon earlier. We just had a giant kind of hangout game session today. So mm, Yeah. Um, Shout yeah. out to the Legend of Dragoon combo system that uh, forces you to press X in timing with the strikes of your character's combos. Yeah, it's it like may- a really interesting skill-based element to turn-based RPGs, which usually there's no skill-based elements. It's all preparation and strategy-based. So, what, What's neat about that, too, is the more you nail it, the more you level the skill up, the skill up and then you get unlock new ones. So if you just keep missing, then you're not going to get the next one. I think that's how it works. Man, some of those combos were stinking hard in that game, though. Yeah, they were. It's like because they it was sort of some of them were very irregular too. Yeah, yeah, like some of the Lavitz, the Spearman guy. Yeah, ones, oh yeah, like, his uh, were hard. 
Volcano. No, that was that was one of Dart's. Gust of Wind Dance. Type, yeah, Gust of Wind Dance. That was the one that was like five combos long and is impossible to nail. Yeah, it was pretty hard for sure. Speaking of shout out Legend of Dragoon. <laughs> you were saying, sir. Speaking of skill based JRPGs, I've been playing Shadow uh, Shadow Hearts Covenant. At the behest of our good friend Ben Moore, yes, who when we when we asked him what's your favorite like undercover RPG that goes o- that's gone over most people's or under most people's radars, uh, that was what he he said. He says one of the best RPGs on PS2. So naturally, I tried. I, I had it and I never played it. And now I'm trying it, mm. and it's great. Well, that's lucky that you had it. Oh well, yeah, I had <laughs> it because I enjoyed shelf. Shadow Hearts, the first one. Okay, so that's I. I Went on a J- uh, JRPG buying spree on PS2 a while back, and that's what well, I did. Now, do you feel silly for it having collected dust on your shelf for so long? Yes, I feel silly because I have all these JRPGs that I haven't played, and I need to play them. Mm. And I'm like, I gotta play these. Oh, why I wait? Why did I spend money on them? Also, exactly. I did finally buy a copy of Xenosaga, the first one on PS2, because mm. as a uh, you know reputed uh, Xenogears fanatic I have to see what's next in the series and I played like a couple hours of it years ago and couldn't get into it it's probably just a case of like wishing it was Xenogears the, you know the other game in the series but I'm going to try to set that aside so we'll see if I can do some on Xeno Saga but who knows I don't know uh, also guys I beat Persona 3 nice finally props to you sir bravo uh, bravo it's always good when you can just scratch one off the list, you know. Yep. Done. Beat it. Did it. Totally. Unsatisfying ending. Sorry. But uh, mm. great game. Really fun. Uh, uh, they have mini ma- topic. Is that a spoiler or not to say it's an unsatisfying ending? No. Do you think there's... I mean, you're not revealing anything about the plot, but could you say that a spoiler is something that changes someone's perception of the game as they play it? No. Uh, unsatisfying ending for me. Okay. 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 See, there, that's a good way to hedge it. There, yes. it's a good way to hedge it. Yeah, because uh, uh, then we could just attribute it to your lofty expectations or something. Exactly. Um, I was because ex- I knew the ending. I knew what happened to the characters. Uh, it didn't happen in the main game. It happens in the answer, which is a What's like, it's like a, an expansion to the game. It's like an epilogue. Yeah, but it's and like it's, forty. It's hours. like another forty <laughs> hours, and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not doing this again. Who's responsible for this? Yeah, I'm just gonna read it. So read about it. And that, There's such a word. thing as games being too long, in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like uh, Lunar Two, one of my like all-time classics. Well, more on that later. Like uh, you, air quotes, beat that game, and then there's an epilogue that's like six more dungeons, and each of them are like each of them are probably like four to five hours each. Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> this massive like addition to the end of the game and it's mostly like it's not really story stuff it's just like more dungeon crawling for people who are super into the game but yeah. it's like man there's there is such a thing as overloading your uh consumer there yeah i played i played a little bit of it and it was just the tartarus without i mean it's just persona 3 without social links and just tartarus and oh, i'm like boring. and i'm like i'm not gonna do this oh the 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 hours thing or whatever you said the, the answer, answer, yeah. answer yeah. which is like the second Hours. part of it, yeah. It's just the answer. Yeah. Alan it's, Iverson. What? It's called first. It's called the journey, and then the second one's called the answer. Hmm. So, I mean, cool subtitles, I guess, but, yeah. but Im- oh. important sounding. Yeah, very important sounding. <laughs> very gra- grave sounding. But well, yeah. not to pick sides here, but would you say you preferred Persona Four or Three overall, or because it's different? Like, right? It could be like the journey. 
of the game is is may have been better, but Persona Four may have had a better ending or something like that. Like before you answer, Nick, <laughs> it feels crazy to even ask, given just how much praise you've lavished on Persona Four, like uh, over the years, Taylor. It's like it seems like to me, as someone who hasn't played either, that Four would be like the clear cut favorite. But Nick, what do you think? Um, I like Four's mm, cheery atmosphere of characters. Uh-huh. Like okay, so I like the characters in four better, and I like how they interact because there was it. It was like you know they got they got their stride. Like the developers got their stride. They know what they're making. Right. They get um, comfortable with their yeah. I do like the characters in three, but they're not as interesting because you don't get the gnome as much. There's not as much interesting story, di- uh, d- you know, story stuff happening. But, but I like the tone of Persona Three more. Mm. It's kind of a little darker, more it's evil. W- it's way darker. Yeah. Okay. It's a little more my speed. Mm-hmm. A lot slower though. That's that's the the pacing of Persona Three is a l- worse than Persona Four. Well, you totally just sat on the fence right between the two, so I'm just gonna say right here, pick one, pick one, <laughs> just to be a bully. All right, if you want to play one, play Persona Four. Okay, okay, yeah. He goes with the status quo. All right, exactly. Persona. I thought, I thought Nick, the uh, eternal contrarian, would just uh, have to ruffle some feathers and say three there, but no, we'll no. see. Four, four. <laughs> you you should go with four. Well, fair enough. Uh, so, do we want to move on to the next topic, my good man? Yes. How about you? You know what you want to. Uh, you know the topic, so you let it. You, you know, introduce. Yeah, it. you guys suggest this one to me, but uh, I've been talking about this game that I've been playing for a while. It's a series that was ubiquitous on Super Nintendo and PS One, and then kind of disappeared a bit. There was a title on PS Two, but it's it was kind of more seemed like a spin off than a continuation of the series. It's a uh, Breath of Fire. Mm. Is I think I believe, uh, I mean I pray I'm getting this right. There's two installments, one and two on Super Nintendo, and then three and four were both on PS1, and then Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter was on PS2, and it was a series that I was always really interested in because it has a couple elements that I really like, like uh, like an anthropomorphic dragon protagonist named Ryu who like recurs in different iterations in all the games, and like I always like kind of like the recurring hero and plus like being able to turn into a dragon is freaking sweet mm-hmm. and so the game is all about like your the games are all about like your dragon heritage and stuff like that and it always just felt like a really classic jrpg that i never knew anything about so i started playing three and uh i guess i'll just ask you guys like well, how much do you know about the breath of fire series uh, or three specifically go Taylor. uh i've watched i think we either played or i watched you play one time in the beginning of three where uh and one thing i thought was cool is it's seamless transitions to battles like you're walking around you see an enemy and then wherever you are just becomes the battlefield which is neat even mm-hmm. though it's turn-based so there's like the seamlessness which is pretty cool um yeah def- a la chrono trigger exactly um and i kind of remember like the beginning being like him being on the run or something like that like i remember being in a farm or some cave or something is that <laughs> sounding about right yeah yeah it's uh that's I mean, no spoilers, but yeah, pretty much. Pretty okay. Much. <laughs> uh, events transpire, and they have to get the hell out of Dodge okay. where you start the game. So, But uh, Nick, how about you? I played uh, number one and number two on Game Boy Advance. Oh, wow. I oh, I didn't know there those ports. Yeah, there are ports on it. I don't remember a single thing about it, <laughs> but I know I've played them. Okay. Well, it's like on the tile-based like 8-bit old rpgs like that like super nintendo and prior like it's kind of hard to tell a lot of them apart because 
the medium like at that point had not differentiated itself like the games you know mm-hmm. so most of them were just like 8-bit sprites on a tile-based map you know it's like quest to save the princess or what have you. Well, I played a lot of it, so I did enjoy it, but I don't remember it at all. A long uh, time ago, you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. It, it was during the Game Boy Advance era, so probably around 2003. For sure. sure. Well, I just wanted to talk about it a bit because it, it always seemed like uh, a series that kind of reeked of like importance as far as like JRPG classicness. Mm. It just has like the good sprites, really colorful, like great character design great art and like a really peppy soundtrack that can like get really creepy at sometimes too which is like an important dichotomy to have for a game where you can be really bright and cheerful and also really kind of uh creepy but either way like it's got all the elements of a classic rpg and the battle system is great too where your main character ryu can uh collect these genes uh, like dragon genes from like various places ar- like around the game throughout your adventure and then when you turn into the dragon you select up to three genes and you can and so there's like all these different combinations of a kind of dragon you can become for like four or five turns or however long you need based on what genes you have so say if you had like hmm. a fire gene like a defense gene and then a reverse gene like the reverse one will make the fire and defense ones into, like, frost and offense genes. Oh, weird. <laughs> and so, like, you can do all these crazy combinations that result in wacky things, and it's a great system. And oh. so I just uh, – I haven't gotten too far yet, but so far it's uh, really addicting, like, both story-wise and, uh, like, gameplay-wise. Because uh, the story is, like, really keeps pushing you on – like, pushing you along in a really – uh, interesting fashion as far as the plot itself, which can, like when a game has a bad plot, it's just nothing turns you off faster. Right, especially in a JRPG, right? Like the whole crux sometimes is the plot. So story based, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So story centric, but the difficulty of it is what keeps me going too. Where it's like it requires grinding and like careful attention to detail. Otherwise, you could like wipe your party on like a random battle, even. Mm-hmm. But that what's like the kind of difficulty that makes it all the more rewarding when you when you press onward. Because, like, you'll die for sure, but it's, like, it's reasonable, you know? Yeah. And it's, like, you just have to learn from your mistakes and pick up and move forward. And, like, some RPGs, it's just, like, you get killed by an enemy and it's just totally unfair and random. And it's, like, this isn't Breath of Fire. Like, it's it's stern but fair, you know, like a good teacher. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, I'll keep you guys posted as I keep going through the Breath of Fire 3 because... Like, the art of the series has always intrigued me, and I'm happy to, like, finally be getting to, like, know it a little bit. And then Breath of Fire 4, later in the PS1 era, seems really interesting, too, and I have a copy of that, too, so. Yeah, I always remember the art style of Breath of Fire 4, specifically, being, like, pretty striking. Like, Mm -hmm. it's got, like, a lot of, uh, like bright colors and kind of has like a pastel kind of look to it. Yeah, it's that art style where they, uh, they don't use outlines, you know? So it's like all the colors just sit right on top of each other and it kind of gives it that like pastel-y kind of, I don't know, smoother feel, I guess. Mm -hmm. Less like angular. And I I kind of always liked when games on the PS1 did the whole like character models are sprites, but then the environments are like these 3D models. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I could be wrong, but I think that's what Fire Emblem, both of them do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so With the rotatable cameras, like yeah. 360 degrees is like really great. A couple classic games that are like that are like uh, Grandia, mm-hmm. Xenogears, of course, mm-hmm. and and Breath of Fire as well. So, mm-hmm. 
That, yeah, that's about all I know about uh, <laughs> Breath of Fire. It's and you know what's really weird is that's made by Capcom. Yeah, They're like, the, totally like you don't typically think of Capcom as a JRPG company, especially now. Um, but it'd be interesting to see them maybe take another stab at it at some point. I know that there's a six, but it's a mobile only game or something in mm, Japan. It seems ugly. Um, so yeah, I'd be curious to see if um, yeah maybe they. I do remember it. when that was announced. Everyone's like, I, "Oh my god, a Breath of Fire six for mobile oh, yeah. pitchforks yeah. and torches yeah. but uh dragon quarter uh the subtitled spinoff on ps2 was really fun too it was really interesting battle system but it was kind of like mired in all those problems that plagued like early ps2 rpgs where the graphics are just really monotonous and like really blocky mm. and just they just didn't nail the visuals or the feel at all the system was there like the combat system and the ability system and everything. So it's something that would be really awesome to revisit. But for now, I'm satisfied just uh, taking a couple of history lessons in old school PS1 RPGs. Because it's good to find like a classic playable one that you just have no familiarity with. So it's a rare treat. Let's take another dip with a classic PS1 JRPG. Oh, yeah? We've all played Lunar. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? Lunar 1 and 2 are both great. There you go. I want to discuss what makes it so great. What makes it the mo- like the the proper JRPG? Or what, well, what, what would you call it? Well, you so, take the stage there, Taylor. Well, so here's what I would say. We were talking about this before, and I feel like it is the the quintessential and maybe almost stereotypical JRPG in a lot of ways. And like, like if, if someone was asking, like, what's a JRPG? Like, just you'd, like, show them, like, five minutes of Lunar, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Because like, um, even the story is, like, it has all the tropes, right? Like, you go on an adventure with your friends. Like, you have this love interest that's also who's, who's your best you, friend or whatever. It's also your childhood friend. Yeah. And there's then, four divine dragons that you have to <laughs> defeat. And, right. Uh, to become yeah. the dragon master and stuff <laughs> like that. But it's, like, told in, like, a really cool way. And you're, like, really... I don't know. the, char- the There's certain charm to all the characters and stuff like that. Um, and that makes them really endo- enduring and, like... Endearing, sorry. Um, enduring? That makes it sound like so much more intense. <laughs> yeah, they last about, forever. Yeah, like you're talking about, like... Literature or something <laughs> classical. Um, but the other thing that's really neat too is I think this was you know in the early days of CD-based gaming, and it had all these like really nice hand-drawn like anime cutscenes and stuff like that. And there was a mm. ton of voice acting, it was which the, again was pretty rare yeah. for RPGs back then, especially like voice acting that they like kind of nailed because like yeah. most of the voice acting like back then was either like really like understated or just like overtly bad. Yeah. It, I think they just didn't know what video game voice acting was supposed to be, so I feel like a lot of time people just didn't try, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Nick, you want to look something up for me, actually, just when Lunar 1 and 2 came out? I mean, um, this is, I'm trying to remember right now, but it, it's it's not important anyway. But it's uh, I could tell you it first came out on a Sega system. Yeah, it was Sega CD. I know that for sure. By Working Designs was the company, right? Uh, game Arts developed it, and Working Designs brought it over from Japan. Oh, okay. Um but either way, uh, just as far as what makes Lunar like the complete JRPG experience, because like a lot of the best ones, like and best games in the genre that we like, can be really like dark and kind of brooding, you know, like Final Fantasy or Xeno, the one I like to always bring up. It's like those are games that are like really emotionally intense and like can be like kind of dark or scary. But like a great JRPG has that, sure. But, like, most of them have, like, they have to have, like, just the elements of, like, delight and happiness and peppiness 
and humor, and it's like it has to cover the whole like spectrum of feelings, not just like you know super serious, you know yeah, badass warriors, you know trying to save the earth. Like Lunar one and two, neither of them shy like shy away from just like dirty jokes and humor sometimes, like, but also like really <laughs> elevated ideas and topics sometimes too. So it's like. And that and just the super, like, overly, not overly, but uh, the really peppy soundtrack. Like, all the sound, the, uh, the town songs. Oh, yeah. Do, 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 oh, yeah, they're very, like, super upbeat. Oh, yeah. It's just, like, makes you want to just get up and just shake your ass, you know? <laughs> yeah, thank you for the, uh, um, the generous round of applause. So, so I got a couple interesting bits of information here. So the original Lunar... It's called. It's just called Lunar. The Silver Star was on Sega CD. It was released in America in 1993. Ooh. I didn't realize it was that old. Okay, so Damn. well, you could you could look at it. It, it looks. It yeah, looks I know, old. but it's like I guess the fact that Lunar Two, which came out later, like was the exact same art style. Was like I kind of just assume like this is how they like to make games. Mm-hmm. Like if I was a guess, I would have said like 96 or 97 on. So Lunar. the PlayStation version came out in 96. Well, there you go. Uh, or sorry, this the. the <laughs> The Sega Saturn in Japan uh, came out in 96. The PlayStation version came out in 1999 in America. Mm. Um, and I, I guess technically it's a remake. This Wikipedia says it's a remake of the original Sega CD. I've never seen the Sega CD version. So, um, Maybe it's just a little bit more low res or something. Uh, it like, could the, be, yeah. The, the PlayStation Lunar, both 1 and 2, they're 8-bit, but they're really polished looking 8-bit. It's like yeah. really good looking environments and everything. So, And then there was the the PSP remake, which that's the one I beat. I played a lot of the original, though. I had they, I they put that out on iOS too. That, yeah, that's true. Um, so I have that on my phone. Solar Star Story complete. So yeah, friends, if you need a new phone game, go and snag yourself Lunar Silver Star Story on the App Store. There you go. What, I mean, can't go wrong on that. Hold on, Solar Star. Heart. But I think this was in like nine. Uh, 2008 or something like that. I want to make sure. Yeah, I think 2010. 2010. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was. I it was during when I was. It was when I was in college. So it has to be after 2008. Yeah, it's got really nice like remade uh, visuals and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I almost kind of prefer the old visuals just because they're so like classic to me at this point. Yeah. But if you're someone who's new to the series, I mean, you're not gonna mind the difference. <laughs> I think one of my favorite, like all I remember. I, uh, okay, let me back up. So I've played Lunar Two. Uh, I own it. I think I've put in like ten hours or something like that. But the one line that sticks out from that um, from that game is "Lady Luck, be kind" or whatever. <laughs> the guy that just throws his dice or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that character Ronfar, the gambler. Yes, that's yeah. uh, the gambling, dirty talking priest. God, he's one of the best characters <laughs> in all RPGs. Constant <laughs> source of hilarity at all the wrong times. Yeah. And hilarity is not warranted. Yep. Oh, God, Ron Farr is the best. But, yeah, when you use anger dice, yeah. that's what he yells. But for some reason, just with that voice bit, he, like, uses this, like, weird, like, yeah. throaty, scratchy voice. Uh-huh. It does not sound like the same guy at all. Because he says, I think like, Lady Lock, be Yeah. It's like, that's not yeah. his voice <laughs> at all. It's just... And like, plus, you use that ability so much that, like, in boss battles, you hear it just, like, every single turn. It's yeah. like... What's I think I guy? think that line specifically stands out because he says it weird. I'm like, what is, what is behind? It's like he's saying <laughs> with it's like he's saying with some kind of accent or something. It's very strange. Yeah, like he's like eating popcorn. He's trying to clear his throat or something. <laughs> but either way, Lunar, I just feel I 
felt like deserved a shout out on the Giant Sword podcast because as far as JRPGs go, it's like it just nails every element mm-hmm. of a classic JRPG like I've, like we've said. Mm-hmm. And so I know you guys had some reverence for it too. Yeah, we But I was uh, thinking about Lunar the other day and just thinking about it with the fondest memories. And so I want to recommend it to all our listeners and it's not a long game, so yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, like it's not terribly twenty hours long. or something like that. Yeah, and plus, once you get into it, like it's you just have to get to the next town, have to get to the next dungeon, and yeah, it et sucks cetera, you in for sure. Except for what's what's the friend's name? The oh, the fat guy with the glasses. Yeah. Oh, uh, Ramus. Ramus. Yeah. Oh, in in Lunar One. Yeah. Stupid Ramus. <laughs> he ends up being a G though. He he ends up pulling some total G shit in the plot. I, yeah. Yeah. I think the but, only uh, thing that annoys me about Lunar One is, is there's this dungeon where like there's supposed to be music playing and there's like the the tunnels are blocked up so it plays this really annoying song and you have to like go fix it. Do you guys remember that part? Oh, it's been so long. I. Th- specifics are escaping me okay but yeah i just remember that part being like really annoying because you have to go hit all these switches and if you don't hit them in the right order you have to like fight a battle and stuff like that so anyway well that's, that's classic just uh rpg like old rpg not giving crap about your feelings yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. raining turds on you at all times i think what a big memory for me is i think you're like in a marsh and i know exactly no, what you're talking and about. uh this and there's these big poisonous pools yep. you're trying to outrun the enemies that chase you and while avoiding the big poisonous pools that totally butcher your health pool. Yep. And I just remember fighting like enemies, and then everyone would just be poisoned. Like I'm gonna die. Yeah. It was so. That, that's one of those games where if you're not leveled up to the area that you're trying to explore, it, that game will just make you sad. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I would really love for them to do a third one because they also, you know, were the developers of Grandia. Um, Dude, I just and- want game arts to come back. Yeah, yeah seriously. They've made- they came up with some gems. Yeah, they've been doing weird stuff over there. Like they had this game called like Decoro or something like that. It was this weird Vita exclusive. It was like some platformer game. Mm-hmm. I, I could be wrong with the name, but yeah, they've been doing some weird stuff. So I, I would love for them, even if it, it looked like the PSP remake. You know, like it doesn't have to be like mind blowing graphics or anything. Well, I mean, the the eight bit feel is kind of like in vogue. You know, still it's like look at you know Shovel Knight, Rogue Legacy, all this stuff. That's it's true. like you don't get yeah. hated on for having 8-bit graphics or 16-bit graphics anymore as long as you pull it off and have cool art. That would almost probably get more attention for for them to be like, we're going to bring this this classic series back, but we're not going to make the graphics better. We're going to keep it the same. Like, yeah. how awesome would that be? Like, literally use the old engine? Totally agree. <laughs> awesome. That's kind of like when the, you know how, like, the original Mega Man games, they went 1 through 8? Yeah. And then they made Mega Man 9 and 10 with, like, all new levels and all new bosses. Mm-hmm. And it was all the same old crappy 8-bit yeah. graphics, yeah. except the game was even harder. Kind of yeah, like that, so where harder. you just like revive it, but keep the feel and the spirit intact. Yeah, that, I would love that. That'd be so good. Oh, dude, I would lose it. That would be almost as cool as if they made like a Mega Man Legend 3 or something. Because that's oh. definitely not why I bought a 3DS, because <laughs> I heard that game was announced. You're not, And you're not bitter about it at all, either. Oh, not, no. Not, no, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty benevolent about it, as my eye twitches uncontrollably. I just want a new Grandia, like well, a really nice, like really good looking game, but it's Grandia. Well, keep praying at the foot of your bed, there, son. I will every night. Yeah, Get, uh, do your hail marys and your what have yous. Lunar. <clears throat> I still, yeah, that that game is memorable for me because I think that was the. Brian bought that game. Lunar? Yeah. And yeah. We, he, I was, heard of it from you, Nick. Yeah. It so. was it was the 
collector's edition, and I used to always watch the, like the behind the scenes stuff because I had like a yeah, behind the scenes CD. That, that mega pack. That was dope. like one of the coolest boxes because it had so much stuff in it. Yeah, I bought the Lunar Two Complete, and it comes with like an, a hardbound art book with, mm. with a book like a ribbon bookmark built into it, like a Bible or something. And it came yeah. with a, a replica pendant of Lucia, the mm. one of the characters from the game, like real full size necklace. And, like, I was in fifth grade when I bought that. I was, like, wearing it around, thought I was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Comes with all this stuff, big old poster, big old, you know, this, this, that. They really knew how to sell that, you know. I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that book. I remember, like, whenever I would come over to your house, I remember seeing that book out, like, at all times. Like, yeah. you were either reading it or looking at, like, the guide or whatever. It's dope decoration, too. It's a nice-looking art book. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's super cool. And it's I think- a- I think they even have like interviews with like the developers and stuff like that. Yeah, like, they had a whole behind the scenes DVD that shows like how they made some of their anime scenes and everything. C- it was a CD. Yeah, it was a CD. Wow. Yeah, pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you just pop it straight into your PS1 or 2, right? And yeah. And then uh, it was really cool because it was like, it was like real camera footage, just like, you know, talking about. Uh, like all the PR being released leading up to the game and the hype and everything like and that game was such a huge cult classic or I guess not cult classic in Japan because everyone was into it but uh, like I guess they were issuing days off of work for in like tons and tons of businesses across the nation when Lunar 2 came out because it was so anticipated after Lunar really? 1 was such a hit oh like, wow tons in of Japan yeah. took work off to play wow. Lunar 2 when it came out interesting I did not know that. <laughs> the people of Japan as a whole cannot be wrong, guys. Play Lunar 2. Exactly. Oh, and also, uh, listeners, if you have played Lunar 1 or 2, definitely leave us a comment shouting it out as that's one of our favorite series. And which is your favorite? Because I think 1 and 2 are of really, really comparable quality. I think they have uh, characteristics. Of, there are characteristics of both that are really awesome that one has and the other doesn't and vice versa. So mm-hmm. I'd be interesting to hear... Uh, if people like one or two more, I think I'm the only person who's beaten both. Yeah, I've, so. I've only beaten one. I played two. Yeah, I've played quite a bit of two. I never beat it though. For sure, I think I think I would have to pick two, but uh, that I, I just think some of the characters are cool and a little more memorable. But uh, anyways, I think that's probably enough on Lunar, huh? We got yeah. uh, we got some more activities here planned for the episode. It'd be good to get into those. Absolutely. So, uh, what do you got for us, Nick? Um, our favorite boss battles. Or I, I would say wow. most memorable, I, I believe, is the way we yeah. wanted to word it. Because for better or worse, they could be boss battles that were memorable because yeah. they were bad or because they were really fun and, you know, they had memorable moments tied to the story or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, Well, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's important to delineate that these can be memorable for being very awesome or being very shitty. Yeah, just, <laughs> just very, you know, you play it, you forget the save. For like the last two hours, and you just get destroyed because right. of how dumb Screw it is, game. and you're like, "Well, <laughs> I'm not playing this for another week." Yeah, <laughs> we've all been to those. So I feel like I'm going to toss one out that we probably all have on our list. Yeah, in, in but s- before we begin, yeah. pardon me. You want to do like a three each? We don't have to expound on all of them really deeply, but I'd say you know just to have a little structure. Okay. All right. So Taylor. I'll I'll take one for the team because I think this is one we all would probably have on our list. But I'm going to say We Graph from oh, Final Fantasy Tactics, and I would say I mean We Graph at Ryovane's Castle at the end of Chapter Three. Yes, because there's multiple. We-Graph oh, there's fights. true. There's We Graph in the in Chapter the, One. Uh, yeah, the uh, windmill or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I would say like unquestionably he's the hardest boss in the game. Uh, even like way harder than the final boss. Like the final boss is a joke mm-hmm. in comparison. Yeah. Um, because I well, think more on that later. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I think he's not hard. I mean, he he's hard on his own because he casts Cyclops and like destroys like three of your party members if you're not spread out. But then he also has those gargoyles that just do tons of damage. Well, well, you're talking about. Uh, God help Quit. us if there's spoilers. But, uh, so Weegraf has uh, a I, second phase to his fight where he becomes stronger. And like at that point, he calls some demons to help him too. And it's like he's just uber strong and has all this help that are these demons that you haven't even seen in the game before with all these nasty spells. But even before that, it's just it's just him, him and Ramza. Ramza, your main character, just one-on-one, and you have to take him down as Ramza. But he does, like, 286 damage per turn, 100% chance. Yeah. And, like, blocks <laughs> almost all of your attacks. So you literally have to just keep trying that fight with Ramza until, like, he makes a mistake or you just land all your attacks or critical or something. Like, And then once you beat that part, he the second phase of the fight begins. It's yeah. way more ridiculous. Like I feel like a pretty pro strat for that fight is to have... You have to have auto potion on Rams and not have regular or high potions. Yeah, and so only no, X so no matter what, yeah, he heals himself for like the most possible health he possibly can or whatever. The crazy part about that fight is if you don't do that, it's almost impossible. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> so hard. Yeah, like because so, I feel like sometimes like you, you could be really crazy and make Rams like a priest or something. Like I don't know why you'd do that, but or, uh, or you could do. I've heard another strategy where you make him a chemist, give him a gun, uh-huh. and have him run around the edge of the map while he's shooting Weegraf from a distance, uh, and Weegraf can't catch you. That's Ooh. interesting. But that is also an incredibly chicken shit way to go about <laughs> the fight. <laughs> That's not, I mean, hey, it's one way to do it. Um, but yeah, like, I can't tell you how many times, like, I died, restarted, died, restarted. Like, and it's a lot of luck, too, because sometimes you get critical strikes. Like, maybe if you don't move your guys in the right way or who he targets, you know, like, it's so random. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember playing that and I lost, like, half of my main cast. Jeez. And I beat it, and I was like, I don't care. I am going. Okay, like they yeah, turn going. into crystals, lost them, or yeah. they die. Wow. Oh my god, that's brutal. That was. Yeah. I think that was my first play. Through. Yeah, the, the reckless abandon of youth <laughs> would allow that to happen. But uh, so from how we've described it so far, Taylor, I think that fight just sounds like misery. So just talk about what makes it so great. Um, I think it's it's just challenging because I think it puts the game is a strategy RPG, and I think it puts your strategy wits to work like almost no other fight in the game Mm -hmm. um because it's like okay do we just focus fire on on uh bellius i think is the the creature he turns into um or dang it taylor what nothing to keep going what we're trying to keep it you know free of all oh this game's so old like if you haven't played tactics by now then get with the program it's for posterity (laughs) (laughs) all right there's gonna be a timestamp. they could skip it all right anyway um yeah, so, like, because it's like, okay, do you focus fire on his final form, or do you, like, okay, do I whittle down the gargoyles, which is probably a waste of time, you know? Right, because you can focus all your attacks on Weegraf to try to get him down and end the fight, but then having all the gargoyles around burning you down might make that an impossibility, so you really got to make a tough decision there. And the real problem is is that, like, he's in the very back, like, just casting summons the whole fight, and then, like, these gargoyles are, like, in front of him, so you have to, like, go through them. I think that's how it is, right? Uh, I think it depends on what his AI decides because I think there's some scenarios depending on where your party members are where he'll charge forward. Can he petrify okay. you too? I, th- I think that's what Cyclops does. I think it throws random status effects or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it also just does a butt ton of cold damage. Yeah. But uh, either way, we've that's probably enough on Weegraf. 
Totally agree. Epic fight. It's one of the one of those boss fights that you know is great because leading up to it and and throughout and after your heart is just beating outside of your chest. Mm-hmm. I think before the boss fight, the scene before uh, the scene before it, dude, that's where the cinematics of it is so awesome. Where you walk in and there's all the corpses around him, and he's just got his back to you. Yeah, just turns around to face you. No, I'm thinking one on one. Even before that, when you're not even you're not even Ramza, you're uh, you're just. Your yeah, Alma, your Alma, and uh, all you hear is, yeah, you're in the next room, and you just hear people getting just butchered and screaming. Yep, and then you walk in as Ramza and just witness the aftermath and have to take on the guy who's responsible. And to be so good, and this isn't technically the same fight, but even the roof after where you have to fight um, Almador, Celia, and yeah, Lee. Uh, yeah, that's those guys can like one shot you. Like, yeah, like, they they have a bit. <laughs> They have, they each have an ability where they can cast stop on one of your characters at a hundred percent effectiveness. <laughs> so dumb <laughs> from like eight spaces away, and if they're in melee range, they can just kill you instantly. It's just called like stop bracelet. I thought it was called like and they, they just punch you and you die. Yeah, and that's it. And you hundred percent. There's, there's another fight later where you actually have to kill all those guys, and that yeah, one's pretty hard uh, too. In Limberry Castle. Yeah, that one's tough. Well, in the original tactics, that's where you get all the Genji armor and weapons. Which getting all of those from Elmdor is like one of the great like RPG badges of achievement that you can ever have mm. is to have a tactics file with complete Genji armor and Massa yeah. Moon. <laughs> it's just like steal everything madman status. You basically would have to not attack them and like try to heal everybody while you're like attempting to steal over and over, right? Not to go too far into tactics, but it's an interesting <laughs> argument whether or not that Wimberry Castle fight versus. Uh, Marquise Almador is harder than the Weegraf fight because yeah, both true. of them are complete insanity. They're yeah, they're hard for different reasons, right? Because one is like, okay, well, somebody's gonna get one shot. Do I spread them out and or do yeah? Well, and plus in that fight, Almador gives everyone uh, the vampire status effect. Oh which yeah, you lose control of them, and that character starts giving vampire to everyone else. Ugh, yeah. Just, ugh. God. What a nightmare. <laughs> Let, let's move on. I'm starting to get some PTSD <laughs> stress reactions here. Yeah. So why don't we go in a circle? So, Nick, why don't you go next uh, with one of your... Oh, I just totally blanked. Okay, well, then Connor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, well, what's funny is I did have a comment on the last boss of tactics, but I'll, I'll save that for later. Okay. I'm going to be super predictable and go with a boss for my favorite game, Xenogears. Mm-hmm. And, uh, okay, so this boss is called Opiomorph. And it's very close to the end of the game when everything is starting to go uh, bat guano crazy, like mm-hmm. as far as plot and like the whole world is falling apart around you. Long story short, you come up uh, against like one of the most powerful people left living on the planet, like piloting this gear opiomorph. And uh, that name like means nothing to you guys, but when I hear it, I just go. <laughs> I get a shiver because <laughs> oh, it's the most insane, maybe even more difficult than Weegraf or Elmador boss battle. Really? Where? Uh, so I'll preface this by saying, when you're fighting in your robots in Xenogears, you can't. You have a finite amount of fuel that all your abilities spend, and you can't restore it. And you can't. There's no healing spells for when your gear is hurt. You can only use this ability called Frame HP Fix, which uses like half of your fuel. So to heal yourself in robot form, like. It's really, really costly. And so basically, you're, fi- you're finding Opiomorph. Everyone's in their, in their robots. And on the first turn of the game, she uses this move called like Wave Oppressor Number 4. It's kind of a cool name. And reduces all of your characters or all your robots' HP to 1. 
on the first turn of the fight. Oh, wow. So you're forced to use that healing So basically, ability. yeah, you have to expend all your fuel um, healing all your characters on the first fight, and then Opiomorph doesn't do anything for three turns. And so you, you know, charge up your abilities, get your hits in, heal yourself, and then she'll count down from there. And right before she, uh, the countdown reaches zero, she'll hit everyone for a small amount of damage, like which, if you had one HP, would kill you. Yeah. And then, and then the turn after that casts Oppressor number four again. And basically, wow. so every four turns, all of your gear's HP gets reduced to one. And it's just like, so you basically have like a finite amount of turns to kill her before you're just inexorably, inevitably dead. Yeah. And uh, that one, like I said about Wegraf, is just one of those fights that gets your heart bursting out of your chest. It's beating so hard. Because you're just like racing against the clock of death. Mm-hmm. To try to get this, and plus this, the robot Opiomorph itself is just looks completely badass. It's really like serpentine and like ten times larger than any of your gears. So it just has that feeling of just, for lack of a better word, epicness. Nice. So with that, Nick, I kick it to you. Is your mind still blank? No, I still I have <laughs> one. I have okay. One. Uh, not blanker not, than it normally is. Yeah, not blanker than normally is, and uh, I'm not going to be able to follow up with that kind of description of your favorite boss battle. <laughs> but um, one of mine is from Tales of Destiny Remake. Is um, which you hold is one of the best RPGs ever made. Yes, one of the. Um, let's go back to Tales of Destiny, the first one. Uh, you have to at the end of the game, you have to charge your. You have to like find like a special Sordian lab to make them more powerful. Mm-hmm. And in that one, you just, you at the end of the lab, you're like, oh, well, here's the upgrade. So put it in, put the sword in the thing and you'll upgrade your, Easy, upgrade okay. it. Yeah, simple. This one, uh, the remake, they changed it where you had to like go into this like chamber and you would like, um, they would put you, it'll put you to sleep and you would have to fight your Sordian's consciousness with your consciousness. With your consciousness. To, oh, wow. To, uh, to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. And so you had to fight Dimlos. And, like, uh, uh, like you see Dimlos. Let me guess. He's talking a bunch of smack to Stan, telling him how worthless he is. Kind of. Kind of. He's, he's like, prove yourself to me. And, you know, and it's just, like, it's a one-on-one battle. And you're both, you both have the flame sword, Dimlos. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, a fighting game. You have to, like, you know, huh. time your dodges perfectly and oh, so it's do not like a tip regular battle no it is a regular battle oh interesting but it has the same but, like, it, but idea behind yeah, doing but, a fighting game fight mm-hmm. mm. because it's one one and you're just like you know you get the dodge right and you, if you hit oh, him okay. correctly you just do your combo and then right. you have to watch out because sometimes he he get you could see him when he's like oh he's gonna do he's about to do the super powerful move if you get hit so just a, like a straight up one-on-one like fencing duel yeah and it's just like it's in like a really epic area and you're just like oh it's, I just love this. I just love that story. That part. sounds awesome. Having played the uh, the original Tales of Destiny, but not the remake, I really wish I could have played that part. Yeah. It sounds awesome. I had it recorded, like the recorded, and I lost it because Twitch deleted it. Sadly. Oh, boo, boo, boo. But oh yeah, it was a good, such a good. Uh, it's not even. It's not really a spoiler, but you know. We'll, the- we'll tell you what. Let's uh, let's speed up our our rounds here since we've all shared one. Now we'll share our last two, just kind of in quick succession. What do you say? Sure. So, Taylor, back to you. So, I don't quite remember what the name of this boss is, but it's in Persona 4, and it's like this um, 
it's like a baby that constantly has like you break down its shield to to do damage to it, and then it keeps building the shield back up. You know uh. what I'm talking? It's in the it's in the video game castle, if I'm not <laughs> yeah, mistaken. Yeah, right? it is. So it's like it's like this endurance fight, and it's not necessarily like too hard, but it's just like. It, you, I don't know. You have, there's like a, ri- a certain rhythm to it. It's like, okay, the, the, the shields go down, so blast them. And, and it's not even a shield. It's just he's in like a block, a pixel block, like soldier right. shield thing. Yeah. I'm trying to picture. What it is. Like imagine like a like an 8-bit like just soldier. Like it just oh, can't okay. move, but it's like built with like what they call voxels, like a 3D pixel. So right, it yeah. looks all blocky. Gotcha. But the I think the fight itself is memorable for, for that reason. Like you have to figure out the rhythm and stuff like that but then i think what happens after it which would be a giant spoiler if you've never played persona so i, I can't really go too much into it but like man i don't know how to talk around this the, the payoff <laughs> after it is basically like even more awesome than the fight i think uh, yeah i don't think that happens in the game i think that's only that's in, only in the anime, in anime, uh, anime. Uh, are you sure I, I guess i can't remember but if <laughs> okay maybe i'm wrong then but either way the, that fight is cool and if if there's a revelation that happens, I guess, to keep it vague, because you you think something of a person, and you're like, oh, okay, that's not what I thought, and then it, and then yeah. Anyway, a big um, revelation happens, and it's very memorable. Yeah. So again, trying to keep I'll it. I'll take vague. your word for it, Taylor. Um, <laughs> but that, yeah, I guess that's that's all I'll say about that one. But it's it's cool also because it's got like kind of. Um, like chip tuny music, like it's trying to be all sixteen bit, eight bit kind of music. So the whole thing is like a th- like a throwbacky type dun- uh, lead up and uh, the chip tunes version of the boss battle. Bing, 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 bing. Yeah, I hated <laughs> I cool. hated that that dungeon so much. Oh, the dungeon is annoying, but yeah. the fight, the boss fight's cool. Anyway, uh, Nick Connor, whoever wants to go next, uh, I'll I'll throw one in there. Um, hmm, I guess. The one I said before, this is kind of similar to that. I'll pick a different one. Okay, so mine is from Radiata Stories. And the only Ooh. people who will have uh, even battled this boss, let alone defeated her, are the most hardcore of Radiata Stories fans. Because, like, the main story in that game, it's fairly easy to beat. Like, you don't have mm. to be really intense to beat the last boss, you know? Mm. But then there's, a, there's, like, three entire side dungeons that are all side quests that become available once you beat the main game and those are like the real challenges for the real hardcore radiata stories players and so scattered through those like three side dungeons first it's like the dragon corridors and then it's like uh the distortion hallway or something either way these crazy dungeons but these really nasty bosses are scattered scattered through all of them and at the very very end the hardest boss in the game you come across ethereal her name is the ethereal queen and uh basically like you have the strongest uh characters and items and armor and weapons and everything in the game at this point and it's just like the anticipation as you get ready to walk up to this boss is just oh the anxiety through the roof because you know it's like this is the your final test you know and the fight itself is complete madness where you have to actually keep all your characters on the outer rim of the fighting area because she just bombards the entire middle area with like these giant Armageddon like fireballs the entire time. Jeez. And so half of the fight is just running away from like hell raining from the skies. And when there's tiny breaks, you run in there and just hit her with everything you got and then get the hell out of there again. Mm-hmm. It's just that, and it just drags on and on. You, just like forty six thousand HP, which is in that, in that game is just 
absolutely monumental. But nothing could ever match my satisfaction when I finally took her down after like five or six tries. So shout out to the Ethereal Queen for being one of the nastiest challenges I've ever overcome in RPGs. Bazam. And shout out to Radiata Stories for just being amazing. Play that game. There you go. Lots of shout outs this episode. Yeah, talk about an underrated gem on PS2. Ooh, yeah, God. So yeah. good. Totally lost in a sea of mediocre, forgettable PS2 RPGs. You know what is an unknown gem? Is the game the boss battle or the boss? The game what my boss is from. There mm. you go, buddy. <laughs> Persona Four. <laughs> Keep trying. Oh, another Persona Four one. All right. So I'm which one? Which one? Uh, I'm, I'm I'm joking. It's not underrated, yeah. but you know, Persona Four. Uh, <laughs> the uh, final, final boss. Oh, the the true ending. The boss? true ending boss. Mm. I do have to say, um, it's really hard to nail final boss yes like a lot of games fall short or stumble or make it too hard or too easy because it's hard to figure out where the majority of players are by the time they get there you know are they really strong did they grind a lot or did they just get to that point in the game so it's like do you make the boss aim towards the hardcore players who are probably really strong by the end of the game or more towards the casual players where then the hardcore fans will just roll right over the final boss and it's kind of feels underwhelming this that, that being yeah. said this boss yeah. is kind of a secret so it's like hmm. the true ending boss if you get what i mean so there's the ending boss but there's another boss afterwards mm-hmm. sounds complicated it is very complicated but i'm i can't spoil really spoil anything but it's just the whole boss itself is a. Uh, it's very story driven Mm-hmm. So it's like very emotional and everything like that, and like the, the way you defeat her is just like so awesome because it's just like your character just becomes a total badass, and you're like, you know what, f you, man, and you just become super powerful and just destroy her. It's, I, I so it's epic for like story reasons. Kind yeah, of, is what you're saying because it, yeah, it just what happens is just awful and and what and then it's awful that ha- what happens, but then you like recover from it and it's just awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I nice. wish I could. T- I wish I could say more, but you haven't played it yet, so I'll take your. I'll take your word for it being totally awesome. It, it is really awesome. It's just very. It's very satisfying. Which Persona Three was not. Hmm. <laughs> what about you? Do you have another one, Taylor? I guess my last one. I mean, I, I want to throw something out from Final Fantasy Seven. Uh, yeah, I feel like most people who listen to this probably expected our first few <laughs> answers to all be from like FF Seven through Nine. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple that you could potentially throw out. Right? Like, I, f- I feel like for me, I don't know why, but carry armor always stuck out as a hard one. I was gonna say him too. Um, Demon's Gate, obviously, because you're forced to use Eris, and Demon's most Gate. people don't use Eris, so she's like super weak. Demon's Gate's uh, on my list, man. <laughs> but I'm gonna pick. I think I'm gonna pick Sephiroth just because. He, I just thought of this. I didn't. I totally, you know, it slipped my mind that you this happens. But you know, in the whole game, you have your party of three, right? But when you fight safer Sephiroth, it asks you to make a second party, mm-hmm. and that like kind of blew my mind. I'm like, yeah, that's, what? That's Bizarro. Sephiroth. Oh, Bizarro. Sorry. Yeah. That's yeah. phase one of three. Right. Um, we we don't just for the listeners. We don't give a damn about spoiling FF seven. No, so. that's like way past. <laughs> that's time. like yeah. If you lived in the suburbs, you were issued a copy of FF seven. So like that's yeah. your fault if you didn't beat it. Right. Um. But yeah, it's just cool because I'm like, oh, that's neat. I've never done this the entire game. I get to make a second party because I, I've, ne- they've never died. But I guess the assumption is, 
oh, you're total combined. You're not strong enough to beat them. So, like, have this party over here. And if they die, then you can just go back to your main party. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we were talking about this before, how safer Sephiroth is a little bit easy. Like, I can remember the last time I played Final Fantasy VII. Um, I mean, I have, you know... I've min-maxed the hell out of this game. I know the best characters. Right. I know the best limit breaks. So For I, us, it's easy. Yeah. Right. So I just used, like, summons and Ultima and stuff like that on Bizarro Sephiroth, so he's really easy. Then you go into Safer Sephiroth, and I just rattled off Omni Slash, all of Tiff's limit breaks, and then High Wind, and he's d- dead before yeah. you get a chance to attack. And yeah, I'm like, it doesn't even take a turn. Okay. <laughs> I didn't, like, going into that fight when I did that, I didn't know if it was I was going to be able to kill him, but I did. I'm like... Oh, okay, that's well, awesome. <laughs> one thing that that does bear, I mean, showing some respect for in, in the Safer Sephiroth fight is the song "One Winged Angel." Oh, dude, that is like the, the greatest g- boss songs like of all time. Easily the most iconic. Like if, if top five boss songs, that's like one or two. Yeah, that's like top three easily. Oh yeah, absolutely. And by the way, if if you the listeners have not listened to this, just YouTube. Uh, one winged angel live and watch the distant worlds is that the name orchestra play yeah. one winged angel Didn't it you? will it won't send chills down your spine it will freeze your spine yeah. into a giant <laughs> glacier it will give you so many chills didn't you go to like a final fantasy concert and they did that song and everyone was singing the choir so yeah well they, yeah before before uh they performed it the conductor <laughs> turned around he's like okay so at this part i'm going to turn around and motion you guys and when i say you know, when it's the part in the song where they say Sephiroth, you guys are going to do it because we, nice. we don't have a choir with us. Oh. So, so we were like, okay. And right when the part comes in, dun, 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 he turns around, points to the crowd, Sephiroth. <laughs> and we, <laughs> so good. we nailed it every time. I probably still have the footage on my phone, but that's another story. Uh, like, to, I'll just say this. Like, Sephiroth is such an iconic fight that he is also a fight in I think both Kingdom Hearts main one and two. Uh-huh. Like he's like a side boss fight that you can go fight in the uh, the Coliseum, and he's like super hard. He's like really really hard in that game. So imagine that. Um, yeah, he's a boss fight in many games. But. Well, it, it's funny that you picked uh, Bizarro slash Safer Sephiroth for one of your most memorable fights because that's like one of the best or worst fights. Yeah, like as far as the- boss battle difficulty, how I said because like. If you do all the side quests in FF7, like if you try, if you're a completionist, then the final boss is a joke. Yeah. Oh but yeah, the, yeah. But that's why the emerald ruby weapons exist, though. Yeah, it's for people who rise above the regular difficulty curve. That is one thing I have never done is beaten either of them. And really, yeah, I've never. I just never got around to it or cared to do. Oh, man. So I, I want to, you know, before the remake comes out, I want to platinum the PS4 version. Like that can't be hard, right? Especially for us. And I'm, I'm assuming two of the trophies are beat emerald weapon and ruby weapon. So, totally. um, <laughs> I don't know what the strategy is. I think it's like. Knights of the Round, it's, Mime, it's, it's something too, it's insane. It's too long to go over here. <laughs> it's like something <laughs> ridiculous. But anyway. Shout out to that boss fight, by the way, just like as far as ridiculous difficulty because they really nailed it in like, oh, yeah, you guys want an endgame boss boss fight? Yeah, here you go, suckers. Like more yeah. than you bargained for. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Awesome boss fights. So Nick and I will both just share one more, but I'll just gloss over it I, okay. for the sake of time. Um, hmm, this is a tough one. <laughs> I already went with Opiomorph. I'm going to do a shout-out to some really crappy boss fights. Okay. Uh, maybe crappy isn't the right word, but hilariously ineffective bosses. There's one... There's two in Final Fantasy VIII, and there's one in Final Fantasy VII, and I think there's more. But it's 
undead bosses that can be killed with a phoenix down. Because <laughs> yeah. a lot of times they have the most intense like entrances or like intros, you know, or like yeah, yeah. they show up onto the screen, you know, no one can match my power. And you're like, oh crap, this is about to be a crazy boss fight. Yeah. Oh wait, he's undead. Use a phoenix down on him instant death yeah <laughs> and he goes through like the really exaggerated you know like destruction animation yeah yeah <laughs> like you just went through this really difficult fight and really <laughs> you just clicked item scroll the phoenix down yeah yeah you're dead so uh the, just for posterity the three bosses that that's capable or the three bosses that's possible with are gein attack the 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 big undead uh like boss from the cave of the gi and under cosmo canyon yeah it's red 13 Mm -hmm. and then giro giro from ff8 when you try to assassinate or you try to kidnap the president of galbadia and Uh they put the fake president there oh i didn't know you you could do that you accidentally capture the fake president and uh he turns into this really heinous creature which you destroy instantly with zero effort (laughs) and then uh also in ff8 in the Great Salt Lake on Disc 3, uh, you're going through, which is a really great uh, dungeon area. You're going through this beautiful landscape, and then this giant, like, eight-foot-story demon flies out from behind this giant rock and just, you know, classic. <laughs> no explanation. All of a sudden, you're fighting this guy. Yeah. Boom. Have a phoenix down. Interesting. I didn't know that. If I ever go back and replay 8, which I might, but I'll have to try that out. <laughs> well, if you ever go and replay 8, just... I will coach you because I have just encyclopedic knowledge of every goddamn thing in that one. You know what I want to do? What do you want to do? I want to get when when you get guns in Final Fantasy Tactics. I want to make a party full just all chemists with auto potions. <laughs> yeah, and then you just beat the game that way. That would be give so them, ridiculous. Give them all a blaze gun, hide on one side of the map, and just shoot everyone to death yep. on the other side. <laughs> That's what I want to do. Seems legit. <laughs> all right. Okay. So with mine, I'm gonna whoa. Don't want to mess that up. With that, um, a game that no one really talks about, uh, and actually here, uh, Grandia 2 as a a boss battle. Um, It just randomly randomly goes, the difficulty just spikes. Mm. Like, you're you're just running through this thing, and then you fight this thing. You're running through the game, just destroying everything, uh, or you don't really have a problem with it. Mm. It's not, like, easy, but... uh, You're just walking through the game. You're just walking through it, and then... You uh, get to this uh, boss called Valmar's Eye, and it just—if you don't know what you're, what you'd know—this I mean, is your first playthrough of Grandia Two. You're gonna get destroyed, kind of like Demon's Gate, <laughs> yeah. where you're like, "Oh, everything's going pretty well. Oh, Who's this guy?" Sweet. Splat! You just yeah. get crushed. Yeah, it's just, he has the main body, and then he has like, th- I think four other like flying eyes that do like this these moves. What's called like triad attack, and then just like. Each eye is a is like uh, an enemy, so they get to attack lots of times, and they mm. each do the stupid triad attack, and it does like half your health each time. So it's like oh bam, 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 bam. I can see how that gets old real fast. Yeah, you're just like stop it. Ah. Um, but yeah, I know how to play that game now, so it's a lot easier. But I could tell, I I could, I could tell you that when you're first play through, you're gonna you're just gonna be randomly like, what the hell, man? <laughs> what what am I supposed to do? That's like just minding your own business, having a nice stroll through the forest, and then, whoop, fell through the ground. There's a punji pit. You're yep. impaled. Congratulations. Have a nice Dead. day. Dead. <laughs> uh, well, uh, speaking of Grandia, though, I, it's, it's a total tangent. I just remember um, playing 
I just remember playing Grandia 1 as a kid, and I didn't use magic at all, and I got stuck because I didn't know how to use I didn't know how to use do the magic uh, system at all. So all my characters just did normal attacks, and somehow I got like through three fourths of the game, and then I got to a part where I had to use magic, and I couldn't beat the boss. Uh. Whoops! <laughs> <laughs> and then got the old banana in the tailpipe there. Yeah, and. I just remember, I was like, I think about it now, I'm like, how did I not know how to use magic? Did I sell all the things I needed to make magic? Fool of a took. No, man, man, yeah. So, so, uh, that's a funny memory I had. Well, guys, I think that you, the listeners, should tell us what your favorite boss battles are, because there are far too many for us to cover here, and there's tons that I didn't get to get to, and same for you guys, but... That being said, I think this is a good place to wrap up for this episode. And uh, so that being said, uh, thanks for tuning in this week. uh, From me, Connor, Nick, and Taylor, uh, this is the GSP Podcast.